Welcome to Weed Week. I'm Alex Halpern. And I'm Donnell Alexander. This is the Weed Week podcast. You can subscribe to our free newsletters, Weed Week, Weed Week California, and Weed Week Canada, all at weedweek.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Weed Week News. Got any feedback? We hope you do. Write to us at hello at weedweek.net. Today we have an interview with DJ Verbs, a Portland hip-hop fixture, and an extraction lab director for a large organ cannabis company. I love this interview because it is almost 50% industry talk and music talk, and it vacillates back and forth. We want to talk about something that's related to Oregon. I spent a trip up there, and I had the Oregon experience, including you know six pre-rolls for $15. <laughs> and so, I have questions that I think only Alex Halpern can answer. So first of all, I mean, the Oregon experience is too much weed. So it sounds like you probably did have too much weed. <laughs> I had, a, you know, I could not smoke enough weed. And I don't say that very often. <laughs> and it's supposed to be pretty good. Oh, I had this thing. And I don't understand why all pre-rolls aren't that way. It was 27% THC and 7% CBD. Wow. And it felt perfect. It was like, why isn't all weed this way? But no, you know, I know that my pleasure was other people's pain because you can't keep a business going on that amount of money. And as you'll see in the interview, there are people doing all sorts of things to make it work for them. But not just Oregon, but the glut of weed that you have there. Is that part of what we're going to see in Canada? Is that, what's the forecast for that? Well, they're saying it could happen in California, too, because all of the licensed farmers are, are producing a, a phenomenal amount, more than the legal market can support. And in Canada, they actually have a shortage for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, in Oregon, they're talking about trying to start interstate commerce, but that, that seems like a ways off. Yeah. I mean, the, the deal that I saw, we, I think we covered it in the newsletter, the California newsletter, which you can get at weedweed.net. I have to tell you that they're, they're talking about a million pounds of weed there, and they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> the deal that they're talking about is arranging for states to make deals with them to give their weed to California, which isn't necessarily in that place right now, and even Colorado and these other states that have legalization. I know that they got a letter from the federal government saying, stop that shit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it seems like, I don't know, I don't know what the tipping point has to be at the federal level for that to become a possibility, but I've been checking, and it's not a done deal. No, I mean... Right, like, I mean, done in that it's wrapped up. I mean, it's, they're chugging along in Oregon. I'd love to know more. So, I mean, what was your sense of the, the farmers and how, how their businesses are going? I've watched one particular farmer that I've been following since, I think, 2016, little little round legalizations um, arrival in Oregon. And I've seen him uh, go through the ups and downs, you know, of riding high and kind of seeming like a big shot to scrambling. And last time I was in Oregon, this last trip, I didn't see him. And I don't even know if he has a business anymore. You know, everyone I know who's doing okay is selling off their stuff. And that's no real way to be. I mean, if you're a functioning concern, you don't want to necessarily just be holding out only to be bought. And I have this weird sense that as Oregon goes, the rest of the place might go. We'll see. I'm just going to bring up another story connected to sort of this new way of weed struggling to survive in the cold, heartless, capitalist economy, maintain its soul or whatnot. So a couple of years ago, a company called Mother Earth's Green Services got a federal mark, a protected trademark for the name Women of Weed, which was a women's social club 
involved with the company and the company is also has a brand called cannabis basics and hemp basics and this women of weed was like a, a social club and they trademarked their name and now they're they're furious because high times of course the the seminal weed publication which was recently acquired by by new owners is using the same women of weed trademark or mark i'll, I'll say mark because my grasp of intellectual property law is imperfect but essentially high times is using the term women of weed and hasn't responded to this group's protests that they're that they trademark the name and and deserve to keep it and this is a a note that was sent to high times from Ah warner who's the ceo of cannabis basics and she writes my burning question is how dare you how dare you use the intellectual property of pioneering cannabis women for your financial gain? How dare you sexualize us and use our mark for your purposes, all in the guise of celebrating women in the cannabis industry? Many people are already aware that High Times has lost its heart and now possibly its soul as well. You sold yourself to the highest bidder, then dedicated writers, editors, and event producers left decades of their groundbreaking work behind because they could no longer tolerate the company's new culture. They left in their wake a mere shell of what High Times once was. And High Times hasn't responded to their queries. And Donnie and I both reached out to High Times and they haven't responded to us either. Yeah. And I'm, I'm intending to cover it in the newsletter this weekend. And that will have passed. You can get it at WeekWeek.net. But what I want to say is that these shenanigans for the new brand are they're seeming, it's like an air of familiarity. I don't know if you kept track of what happened in Sacramento last year. They were supposed to, the magazine was supposed to do an event at Cal Expo. That fell through, and I feel like the city of Sacramento was left holding the bag. The Sacramento Business Journal reported that the uh, company began selling tickets before the city had authorized the events, and that was what was problematic. Um, it's been rocky going. I hope they talk to us. Yeah, we would love to have high times on either Adam Levin who bought them two years ago or their new CEO Craig Fox to talk about the company and its direction and its relationship to the culture it did so much to foster for so many years. All right, let's get to DJ Verbs. DJ Verbs did this in the winter in uh, Portland. He's a guy I know through the Conversation Project, which was a gig I did in Oregon talking about hip-hop in the Northwest. When we have this conversation, it's like it's, there's broad points about hip-hop and, and weed in Oregon that we can talk about. But what I found really interesting was these sort of entrepreneurs who are coming along and the people who've changed music. You know, 10 years ago, Wiz Khalifa, who's a really famous rapper, probably the most famous uh, weed-related rapper, he couldn't have had a career. And someone like Burner, who came up from San Francisco and just won this entire West Coast city by city, that couldn't have happened. We talk a little bit about that. But these people are super interesting, even if they're not necessarily known to you. Uh, Burner's journey has been amazing. We want to get him onto the podcast. But you'll hear some names that maybe you don't know offhand, but maybe you do. And you'll definitely learn a little bit more about how cannabis works out here on the West Coast. Enjoy it. Get rich or die smoking. If they hating on the burn, then they'll find them in the ocean flow. Get rich or die smoking. Get rich or die loaded. I feel blindfolded. We're in Portland today on this Sunday afternoon with one of my favorite people in Portland. One of the hip hop presences. Can we say that? Yeah, is, yeah. That's that sounds like a good word. Yeah, I think it's a word, but if it's not, we're gonna act <laughs> like it is today. So I'm in here with um. Verbs, DJ Verbs. Is that how you want to call? Yeah, Verbs. I'm Verbs. Hey. All right. Yeah. 
I know you because we did some hip hop stuff together for the conversation project through yeah. Oregon Humanities. But you have a much bigger background with the music. Than, and how did you do it up here in Portland? So I, I grew up just loving hip hop. I was, uh, you know, I grew up in the 80s. So you're subjected to it from the minute you're, you know, can see MTV Where are you or from? whatever. I'm from Vancouver, Washington, right across the river in Port from Portland, Oregon. Anyway, it was. I don't know what it was particularly that drew me to hip hop. I, I remember watching the Aerosmith video with my dad with a uh, run DMC where they break down the wall. And I was like, right. I really love the run DMC part of this. This is fun. <laughs> my dad loved Aerosmith. So it like kind of worked out that he would watch that video and right. was like, cool. Anyway, as a little kid, I loved hip hop. It started listening as a little kid. And then, you know, I did all the five elements from from sixth grade to, yeah. to uh, see, senior I, I, I year. I told you, I told you, you can you can say all the specific technical stuff with oh. with with cannabis, oh. but with but, cannabis. But the so five, the five the elements. Five elements. Of, yeah, because right, so not you, everybody's knowing. So with hip hop, you have these like basics that you know you have break dancing and graffiti and rapping and DJing, and then supposed to be like the knowledge is the fifth element. <laughs> so I grew up doing all of it. I loved all of it. I, I absorbed the culture. I you know my friends were. We're all part of you know love the music and so when I first you know was able to I, I was connecting with people who were doing hip-hop and you know this is the early days of the internet so we start doing battle raps online and I'm part of that and I start meeting rappers in Portland and uh, you know some of those rappers ended up becoming fantastic my friend Immaculate goes and wins the uh, world rap championship and mm. uh, he's a you know battle rap extraordinaire and then you know Macklemore blows up from Seattle and he had been coming down and doing shows in Portland here with like my friend group and right. so yeah there was like an opportunity it was very small but we we had some way to grow up there and now I'm able to like throw shows and what are some of the things you've done I know the thesis is something you have but you do a lot of stuff run through it all please so I, I've you know I've DJed for legends like Raekwon and uh, the Gift of Gab from Black Alicious, oh, and then I've also done shows with like Snoop Dogg and Wu Tang Clan and Macklemore, and down the list of your hip hop legends, down to like Playboy Cardi and Lil Uzi Vert before they blew up. So really, yeah, oh, that was the most crazy show I've ever done. By what, the way. why was it crazy? Kids were like you, bouncing off the walls because I don't even know if everyone knows who Lil Uzi Vert is, but that sounds I, I haven't been. I so haven't. this is an all ages show at a venue that holds maybe 150 people on a Monday night at like five o'clock, and the kids are going crazy. <laughs> and so the show had been delayed a little bit, so they had started bubbling a little bit more. And I'm doing my just DJ warm up set, and kids are like pushing each other onto the stage, and it's getting out of control already. So that was a bad sign. They stopped me for a second. And they put up a barrier between me and the kids. And it's like just a bike rack, essentially. Wait, what time of night is it? This, this is point? like six o'clock now, That's seven o'clock. And so they put up this barrier between the stage and, and the kids. And uh, it's it's just getting demolished. Essentially, by the time we start playing like Waka Flocka, all of a sudden these kids are just like, knocking over the barrier and security guards getting pushed over and the walls feel like they're sweating because it's just so hot in there and then kids start fighting each other and then little Uzi Vert and Playboy Cardi show I mean like it, that was before they even showed up so it got insane there was fights out in the parking lot that venue does not exist anymore <laughs> uh, yeah but it was it was a wild wild show right I've written about Dr. Dre a lot and mm -hmm. one of the things that I find interesting is that there was a sensibility to hip hop before cannabis. Before I'm not even say cannabis because cannabis was always in the mix, right? You know, but after the chronic came out, obviously people name checked it more. But well, this, you see that transition between N.W.A. and Dr. Dre, right? You see mm -hmm. him saying he's 
I don't smoke weed or cess. So, you know, there's the transition. The next album, he's smoking the chronic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have this moment, obviously, where, I don't know, we've, we've talked about it, I think, before in the past, where there was like this acknowledgement that if you could embrace weed culture, you might reduce some violence mm-hmm. um, in, in hip hop and I don't know, in gangs and shit <laughs> like that. that. Happen? I don't know if it did, <laughs> no, but, but it was I'm a going. thought. See, I'm, I remember I'm going a different that. way because I feel like rhyme styles changed after weed became mandatory. You know, Absolutely. A lot less staccato rhyming. Maybe we're back in it now, but do you, do you feel like there's a, a specific imprint that cannabis has left on well, you see it in a little bit like the far side stuff that happens uh, where it becomes very uh, conscious, uh, like uh, stream of consciousness in mm-hmm. in the lyrics. And this is, we're talking a early, little more early surreal. 90s. Yeah, exactly. Still early 90s. But that's where it starts doing this. Like that's obviously a West Coast transition. You have the freestyle fellowship that kind of embraces that. And I think some of that comes from just like smoking weed with your friends and rapping forever. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a big part of what you know we were doing up here and what they're doing in the Bay. And so I think those little bits start transitioning some of the music. And then you have, I think the biggest transition then after that happens with Wiz Khalifa and just basically openly talking about weed throughout his entire song. It wasn't yeah, just yeah, like yeah. he mentioned smoking weed. He's telling you the strain and, <laughs> and you know, when he's getting high and I was, his girl don't even smoke. She just hit it once while she light it. Right. You know. But you look like guys like him and Burner. Burner. That was another one I was thinking of, too. Okay. Absolutely. What have they done in terms of, like, synthesizing the two? So I, I was talking to uh, DJ Bonix, who's Wiz Khalifa's DJ. He used to DJ here at a radio station in Portland, but now he's out in Minneapolis. And him and I were talking about why Wiz Khalifa can tour in Poland and why he can do shows around the world. And it's this love of weed culture and it's something that is a international thing you can connect on Mm -hmm. and i think that's why snoop dogg can always go and sell out shows there and he's still royal you know he doesn't get locked up overseas right Um, right (laughs) you know there's a i think that's a i don't know i think we embraced that in certain people and we've like Willie Nelson gets away with it and right. Cheech and Chong have gotten away with it. So it's like we have these heroes that are weed smokers that, you know, haven't been embraced by it. And so I think that is something that, the, you know, so a lot of these rappers found is they found connections with audiences, white or black or wherever, um, that they're able to talk about weed and we all love weed. So I want to switch gears a little bit because you switch gears. You made a I transition. Uh, you're, Tell me what's going on with you. So I had spent about 10 years doing freelance everything, like uh, DJing and touring a little bit and doing a lot of shows in Portland and doing shows in Seattle and the Northwest here with uh, different artists. And, you know, like making sure you're getting by every month is a hustle. And so I started working towards, you know, using some of the skills I had learned at different points in my life. And I was using a lot of my branding that I had picked up doing music and also uh, a clothing line that I, you know, used to run a long time ago. So I started working towards finding a job in the cannabis industry because it was opening up here in Oregon. And I helped uh, come up with some marketing things for a, a joint company that went out early on. And then 
that helped me land a spot with a company that was building extractors, CO2 extractors to create nice. uh, CO2 oils. And so essentially I learned how to build those machines for about a year and I worked on them and learned some of the programming and learned all of the like science behind how it works. You know, moving in away from actually building the extractors, I started running this lab and uh, in this facility, I've got, you know, four of these extractors and essentially what they're fantastic at doing is pulling terpenes uh, early on in the cycle and I can get, you know, these uh, cannabis derived terpenes ahead of getting the CO2 and then I create my distillates from there. But the terpenes are amazing. They're beautiful and I can, you know, it's the smell, it's the essential oil, it's some of the, you know, medical benefits, it's 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 the essence of the plant. If you're stripping that out, you're missing some of that. So if you can add that back, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it, you know, it's something that I've been excited about here in the market because there's a lot of, you know, like people are starting to talk about terpenes. There are a few companies right now that are kind of like, uh, dabbling in the market and they're a little sloppy. So I'm excited to start seeing like cannabis derived terpenes on the market now. How is what you're doing different from the other systems or processes you know? So a lot of the systems, essentially, it's hard to dial in to get that uh, specific pressure and temperature setting. A lot of the way that terpenes have been gathered in the past is through steam distillation. And a lot of that ends up becoming so hot you burn off different terpenes. And so if you can keep this cool, you can also get these terpenes at a higher rate. And, uh, you know, you get a larger profile of those terpenes. So instead of having three or four, you might have 25 and just at different rates. How hard was it transitioning? Well, I think it was pretty, I mean, everyone was transitioning, right? So it was like a moment of, uh, going legal culturally, culturally here. here in Oregon, everyone going legal. So there was this strong medical marijuana community for a while and there were dispensaries everywhere and they had all kinds of specials and you can go get high in their shops. And I mean, it was different. It was a whole different vibe, but when they legalized, it changed a lot of rules for everyone. A lot of those dispensaries shut down cause they couldn't follow them or pay the bills for all the different things they needed to upgrade. And so you saw this kind of new set of professionalism come in, but also like, an industry kind of in a transition moment where you have essentially criminals going over into a legalized world right, right. and or the legalized world coming over to the criminals. Something yeah. Like that. Same, both. It's a hundred percent both by the way. So you had people who were considered, you know, probably low lives for a while and now they're experts, you know, they're experts in the field cause they've been doing it 20 years. Cause now they say, you know, they say that under their breath when they meet you, uh, uh, you know, I've been doing it for 10 years legally and then 20 years behind that. So, uh, anyway, I've, isn't I, it weird how you get to pick and choose who gets to be the criminal now? Oh, absolutely. Who isn't I can't get over it. I'm supposed to be going up it's to Humboldt fucked. County next it's month. Fucked. And it, it's like, the world's upside down and it's, it's luck of the draw or how deep your pocketbook is, whether you get to be a criminal. Well, I was calling a, a, you know, a former very purest capital. I think it's the purest oh, form in, of capital. Of course fine. it is. You know, I called a former employee that I worked with at a, another company here the other day and he was in Mississippi. And now when I call him, he's traveling around the U S installing machineries and in all, uh, in all of these different States that have legalized. But he called him the other day and he was, said he was down in Mississippi. And I was like, well, shit, you're about to get in trouble. You better get out of there fast. And he had been down there for like some other like reason. He was vacationing or something like that. But it made me think about like, oh, it's so different in different states. It's still, right. you know, you're criminalized for 
minuscule amounts in some states and people are getting busted in Ohio for CBD and it's and they're and they're making millions and millions of dollars yeah out here I, and I want to ask you about this because it's a one known fact that people are struggling here mm-hmm. growers the industry is kind of broke right am I I mean there, there are some things that have obviously done really I think Oregon has done some things well one of the things they've done well is some of the like testing um, that they require it's it's ahead of the game and then uh, states like Washington. So? Essentially, like the requirement for testing material that's in the legalized market is stronger than it is in Washington. So, like you can do batches and things in Washington that you can't do in Oregon. You you're testing all your stuff. Wow. Um, and you're testing for potency and residual pesticides and residual solvents and that kind of stuff. So, I appreciate those type of things that they've put in place. The other issue is like we grow so much weed right. and it's too much and we can't take it out of state. And so now the price of weed has crashed here. I mean, it's what is it uh, per uh, pound? Do you know? Oh, I, the, honestly, the, the other see, day I have to, I, I I'm not going to lie. The other day, somebody offered us $50 a pound for as much weed as we wanted up to a thousand pounds. Um, probably better breaks people, up there. It's the only way to live to export this stuff on the illicit market because it's those numbers are sick they're insane so but and it's because a lot of these other people have invested money into it at different numbers you know at numbers that made sense at the time um but they didn't picture a market that would just continuously get cheaper and cheaper and now you're buying eights for three dollars at some you know local head shop yeah no i've had Uh, an amazing (laughs) yeah i I, I mean if you are a buyer right now if you're in the extraction market right now fantastic mm-hmm. um if you're a grower you're probably struggling and especially if you're a grower on the gray or black market like those guys are are seeing that it's maybe coming to an end but but why i mean i i know we're getting into areas that people don't like to talk about at least in the recreational market mm-hmm. but why can't you just export what what's the problem with being i mean aside from obviously the legality and it's possibly the legality money. it's the money it's the money right so you gotta be able to put the money in a bank somewhere and deal with, you know, like where that money is going to, because banks still don't want to mess with you. Of course. There's a few banks here in Oregon that'll mess with you, but they charge you crazy rates because they can. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be, until it's a federally legalized issue, you're still going to have struggles all over the place. And exporting is going to be number one. Mm-hmm. And I think all of the smart Big industry people are not shipping shit across state lines right now. They're not doing no, any no, of the CBD, no. not even the CBD stuff, not even with the new farm laws and all that stuff. Like, I I know for a fact one of the biggest companies in the world is not. They're not moving anything out of state. So some people are going to be trying to jump ahead and go apologize for it later. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll get stung. Maybe they won't. Who knows? Mm-hmm. If you were to give a suggestion to other people who are from music in terms of transitioning mm-hmm. into cannabis, what would you tell them? I think the space is open for so many different creative spots. Like, obviously, you could if your brand is big enough, you could brand your own weed and that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but how big do you have to be? Can you be a regional name? I mean, you could be weed? a burner. You know, like burner is very specific. He's a big name, but it's 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 a head. He's he's the name that most. I was just, saying, I was just saying he made his name. Didn't oh, he, he did make his name. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, there you could also. I, I think if you really wanted to, you could be. I mean, Cool Nuts has his his little weed at. Uh, 
Does one say? of the dispensaries. Cool is a, a rapper up here. He's yeah, the, legendary the, Portland legendary rapper. Figure. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know he had a brand. Yeah, he's got a little Cool Nuts weed that you can get out at, at one of the local dispensaries here. So I mean, that's, so you don't have to be Snoop Dogg. I don't do think this. you have to be Snoop Dogg. I think though, uh, if you really want to do it right, you you build a brand around something. If it's an edible, if it's a um, you know an extract or that type of thing, I think there's so many ways into the market because everyone's exploring what's new and what you can do right now. There's, you know, it's been targeted at, at almost strictly sweets, you know, this entire time mm-hmm. we're going to start getting into like savory elements and that type of thing, because you know, you could add a distillate to anything you could, I mean, and it, right. you could have the flavor, you could not have the flavor. So, you know, it, the market is open for, you know, every kind of product, essentially yeah. anything that is going to accept any kind of cannabis in it is going to have cannabis <laughs> in it. That's what's happening. Interesting. Um, so I want to make sure we get back to the music thing. Is it still a part yeah. of your life? What's oh, absolutely. The last show you did. So I do shows all the time still. Um, I throw a monthly showcase here in Portland called The Thesis that right. has been going on for four plus years now. Um, it's really become the premier place to see Portland hip hop and R&B. Um, you know, it, it's a fantastic platform. It's great because a lot of times the opportunities that are given to you in, in hip hop, especially are pay to play games. Mm-hmm. You're selling tickets, you're paying to be on the stage. You got to sell merch to make it work. Some artists can do that because they're, they're the hustle. Some artists are the creative type who don't have that type of, you know, they just can't go out and, and sell merch like that. And right. anyway, so merch. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, some of those guys, aren't going to get an opportunity in that world. And so what we've done really well with our showcase is make sure there's an opportunity for everybody that is dope. Okay. So the, the next big thing, then the thesis is always first, first Thursday, right? First Thursday of the month here in Portland at Kelly's Olympian. And then, um, I know I do shows here and there. Uh, I'm doing a show with Jay Electronica this summer in, in June. Mm-hmm. I'm actually doing a little more traveling. I'm going to be You're going to get his album out, right? Oh uh, yeah. I'm going to be the personally, <laughs> I'm going to be the one who gets Jay to drop yeah, his album. Yeah. No, I mean, would, honestly, very one of the coolest look. MCs and like the most friendly people you would have assumed he would be this like, uh, you know, he would hide away after his show. He was out in the crowd dancing huh. and like signing autographs the whole time. He's cool as fuck. Okay. Oh, we're going to go out like Jay, Le- Jay Electronica's next album because it is coming out. I, I can feel it and you're going to get some credit here. Um, yes. But uh, before we go, are you... Uh, online what should people check out that instagram what are we yeah absolutely so you can find uh me on instagram and twitter i'm on twitter at v-e-r-b-z and then on instagram at v-e-r-b-z the dj and then um also i'm bringing back my podcast so how we met um was was (laughs) through a podcast that i host called crate diggers and you know i took a little break to transition into this new job and to set up a new space to record and kind of uh break down a pure idea for, of, of the show so yeah we're bringing that back we have a few episodes already recorded so wow. we'll be out soon so yeah. i'm excited to bring yeah. that back okay great man thanks for sitting down with us and glad to do it man talk thanks. soon that's our show for today as always you can find us on twitter and instagram at weed week news or email us at hello at weedweek.net. my question this week is which underground figure in rap do you know who really couldn't have had it without marijuana there are a bunch of rappers who come to mind but who's the biggest one in your mind And don't forget to show us some love on iTunes by giving us a five-star rating or leaving a review, preferably glowing. It means a lot to the show. You know that. And you can also um, get some cool swag and gifts if you contribute to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash weedweek. We have a new episode coming out that only 
subscribers to Patreon are going to be able to access. And that's in addition to the Otto and the papers and all the other cool stuff that we're putting out there for you. For lots more weed news, you can sign up for our newsletters, Weed Week, Weed Week Canada, and Weed Week California, all at weedweek.net. I'm Alex Halpern. And I'm Donnell Alexander. Our producer is Hannah Smith, and Alicia Byer wrote our theme music. Additional music is from the late, great Andre Bush. See you here again next week. Peace. Thank you.